Good morning. Welcome to Browncroft. So great to have you here with us. And for those of you joining us online, so great to have you with us as well. Wasn't that a great video that we just watched together? I, I sense there was some applause ready to happen in the room. Uh, I just want to acknowledge that. Thank you so much for the way that you've come alongside of people truly in need to be with them during this critical time. It, it's, I, I said this before, but I am really proud to be part of a community like Browncroft that's willing to take those kind of steps to help people in need. We are in the season of Advent now. We just started this this week. You here in church are joining with literally billions of other Christians around the world to celebrate Advent, which that word means arrival. It's celebrating the arrival of Jesus. But as we do this, we also take a time to really reflect and time to really wait on this arrival. And it's a season of preparation. It's a season of waiting as well. Uh, I don't know about you. Uh, I hate waiting. Anybody else here? Um, so my question for you right out the get, gate this morning is this, what are you waiting for? Okay, so I want you to simmer on that for a second. What are you waiting for? And God teaches me through crazy ways, crazy things in my life uh, all the time. And uh, this one, just about waiting, just last night, 5 o'clock, okay? So this is, you know, I would say pretty fresh. Uh, 5 o'clock last night, uh, my wife is going to pick my daughter up from work at Wegmans, and she calls me on the phone, and I'm like, oh, this is unusual. She just left a minute ago. And she says, um, my car broke down. Uh, can you come and get me? And I'm like, oh, okay. So I quick put on my jacket, get my shoes on, uh, you know, go about a mile to where she's at. And the car is kind of in this intersection like this. And I don't know what I expected to happen. I'm not a mechanic, okay? I, I think I expected for there to be some supernatural power when I, when I got there and for the car to suddenly work. All we needed to do was get it to move like 20, 30 yards up the road a little bit and we would have been kind of out of this intersection. And uh, the car, believe it or not, did not want to uh, comply. Um, and so it is, it is sitting there, blinkers on, and uh, everybody's driving by like, what in the world? And, and people continue to drive by. And uh, so I have in my mind, I could probably push the car 20 to 30 yards, right? You know, so because in my mind, I'm a superhuman. And, uh, and so I, the car's in neutral, and I am literally on the side of the road right now. Because I hate waiting, I'm like, I'm going to do everything I can within my power to get this thing set. So I am pushing on the back of the car, getting it to move inch by inch. And instead of 20 to 30 yards, I think I got it to like five yards. Um, but that felt pretty good, you know, uh, and, and I, I felt really good about myself. But still, people are driving by, like, you could see kids like, Mommy, why is the little bald man pushing the car? And, uh, you know, the, the parents, just don't look him in the eyes. Don't look him in the eyes. Uh, 
and I continued to try to deal with the situation. And, and time keeps on going. My daughter, I realize, oh my goodness, my daughter's waiting. That gives me even more anxiety. I'm like, there's people waiting for me. That's more anxiety. So I'm calling my daughter on the phone. My wife is calling AAA. We're waiting for the tow truck. I'm waiting to get my daughter. Uh, my daughter, I show up at, at Wegmans to pick her up. I expect her to be in a frenzy. She's like, oh no, everything was fine. Yeah, I just walked around the store for a little bit. I'm like, okay, phew, okay. And um, we're in a season of waiting. Finally, yes, the car is uh, set now. And um, the only thing I'm waiting for is a bill from the mechanic. So that's just one instance that I've been through recently about waiting. I love, though, you know, as we reflect even back on that video that we saw, how people in the Ukraine were waiting during this season, right? They were waiting for food. They were waiting for shelter. They were waiting to be rescued. And rather than just driving by, Brown Cross stepped in to help, to be there as a source of support and aid during this really critical time. And, um, and so we're going to look at a passage this morning about hope in the midst of waiting, and it comes from Isaiah 9, 2 through 7. So Isaiah 9, 2 through 7. And let me set up the background of this passage for you all this morning. Isaiah is a prophet, and it's not a flashy job being a prophet. Actually, it's a pretty bad one. And Isaiah is told, I want you to proclaim to the people of Israel uh, you are going to be taken over by, by the Assyrians because you have turned your back on God. And this is not a happy message to deliver to people, right? So place yourself in Isaiah's shoes during this moment. And he is saying to the people of Israel, you've turned your back on God. And because of that, you are in for a world of hurt. And so the people know this. And yet in the midst of this prophecy that Isaiah brings that the enemy is at the door, the Assyrians are going to take over, you are going to be led into captivity, there's this moment at which he also wants to balance that with hope. And the hope, as we'll discover, is centered in a person. The hope is centered in a person. And let's start out by reading Isaiah 9, 2. Isaiah 9, 2 familiar passage for some of us, says this, the darkness, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Um, the darkness was not simply based on their circumstances. Their dark, the darkness that the people were experiencing was the fact that they had turned their backs on God and said, we want to do things our way, not God's way. That's the darkness that they were living in. So here's my first point this morning. It's this. You have to face the darkness before you can appreciate the light. You have to face the darkness before you can appreciate the light. And we're going to look at that even this morning a little bit together. I want to give us a little bit of an experience of this. So I'm the kind of guy that learns through, through experience, okay? So here's what we're going to do. We're going to place ourselves in the, 
in the, as if we're people in Israel in this time, and wonder what it would be like for us to be experiencing the enemy at the door in the midst of this time, in the midst of this season. And Isaiah describes it as darkness. And so because of that, I want to take a moment to sit together in darkness and observe what do we feel as we sit together in darkness. Okay, so the, the lights are going to go out, but that's okay. This is all planned. <laughs> uh, and I want, I want you to pay attention to what's going on inside as we sit in darkness. Okay, you ready? All right. Let's experience this together. Okay, so here we are in the dark. Now, if you're in Israel during this time, you might be faced with a lot of different feelings underneath the surface of your life. I'm guessing there's a lot of fear associated. You might be feeling disoriented. You might be feeling a level of anxiety. You might be feeling really aimless, like you don't know the next way forward. You might feel worried. There's a lot of those different feelings that go inside as we sit in darkness. So we need to face that. But then Isaiah says this, into that darkness a light has shined. And so now a light will shine on us. And I want you to see the effect that light has when it enters darkness. All of a sudden, some of that fear and worry kind of dissipates. The anxiety that we're experiencing kind of fades away slowly. That disorientation is met by the fact that we can see what's around us. And this passage, what this passage is pointing to, this light is Jesus. That is the light that we celebrate this season. And how do I know that this, this is talking about Jesus? Well, it's actually one of the easy ones for us because in Matthew 4, 15 to 17, it says this. The land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people living in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. And then it says, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Matthew directly connects the Isaiah passage to Jesus and says, this is all about Jesus. He is the light that we have been waiting for. I love how J.I. Packer, theologian, pastor, puts it. He says this in his book, Knowing God. The Almighty appeared on earth as a helpless human baby, unable to do more than lie and stare and wriggle and make noises. 
needing to be fed and changed and taught to talk like any other child. He says this, the more you think about it, the more staggering it gets. Nothing in fiction is so fantastic as the truth of the incarnation. Nothing in fiction is so fantastic as the truth of the incarnation. God taking on flesh. It's amazing. It's mind-boggling. I mean, we say it every year, but this is something that really we need to celebrate together as we're in this space. And so Isaiah goes on and he describes the hope that this Messiah is going to bring. He says it this, this way in the rest of the passage. Isaiah 9, 3 through 7 is the rest of the passage. He says, you've enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. So this is huge celebration. Like he's using... All the terms he can use to describe how amazing this Messiah is. And then he says these words to us. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Yeah, I think I heard some amens. That's okay to amen. That's a celebration. Isaiah here is just pouring out his heart about how amazing this Messiah will be. And I think this is what he's trying to get us to internalize in this. Our hope is in a person, not a product or a program. Okay? Our hope, the hope of this season, the hope of our lives as Christians is in a person. It's not in a product or a program or something we can muster up on our own. In American society, we're really used to buying whatever hope we want to have, right? We're so used to being advertised, this thing will give you hope, that thing will give you hope. No, he's pointing to the fact that our hope is in a person and his name is Jesus. And so with that in mind, I just want to take a brief moment to look at those descriptions that Isaiah uses about Jesus in this passage. Let's look at them together. First of all, he says, the government will be on his shoulders. I love that line. (laughs) Oh, man. Especially if you've gone through a difficult political season, right? Uh, You know, a lot of us, you know... We are on different ends of the political spectrum, right? And, and maybe the people that you voted for didn't make it into office. Maybe they did. We got all these expectations. I just came across this article uh, on a website as I was doing my Black Friday shopping the other day. Um, said this, During this holiday season, America is once again defined by hopelessness. 
And the, the article went on to describe the political divides and some issues that really are dividing our country and are really making us as a country feel hopeless right now. And that stood out to me because it made me realize this. You know what? You, any one of us could come up with all the issues that are important to us, right? And let's just say we could magically wave a wand and all of those things became law tomorrow. Um, ultimately, if hearts don't change, then even that wouldn't get to what we really want to see happen. The ultimate fulfillment of this is in the person of Jesus. He is the one that truly changes. He is the one that truly gives hope uh, to us. Our hope can't be found in a political party or in a policy. It's in a person. The government is on his shoulders. None of our shoulders are broad enough to carry the weight of the government. Thank you, Jesus. All right. The next thing it says is he is a wonderful counselor. He's a wonderful counselor. I love this description of Jesus too. Because as I think about good counselors, um, they create a space where you feel safe to be who you are. But they also know how to listen to you in a way that they can speak truth into your life that is unique to you as an individual. So... You know, I had a season before I decided to, to come here to Browncroft, even just last January, where I was like, I got a lot going on. I need to, to talk to somebody before I just start to jump into pastorhood. So I got I to, gotta like, meet with a counselor. So there's a counselor I've done a lot of work with. I, I went to see him and had a really great time with him. Uh, he is like a Jedi of the soul. That's how I would describe him. And uh, as I'm talking, uh, at one point I just say something like, uh, this is really important to me, da 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 And he goes, hold on, John, stop. He goes, say that again. I'm like, what? He said, say, this is really important to you. This is important to you. Say, it's really important to me. I go, it's really important to me. He goes, no, say it like you mean it. And he would not let me stop until I said, this is important to me. I felt like, oh my goodness, I'm going to make this guy mad. I'm yelling at him. And he's like, no, it's okay. And then he finally would let me go after I said it, like important, you know, because he knew there was something there that I needed to get out in order to, to move on. And he was leading me in a way that, that helped me. Now, Jesus is a wonderful counselor. And that word wonderful is actually tied into the miraculous. So this is the same word that Moses uses when he celebrates the people being delivered from the Red Sea. He says that it was a wonderful act of God being delivered from the Red Sea. It's, it's got this miraculous kind of connotation to it. So, so Jesus is counseling you in a way that leads you into the miraculous in your life. Not just I'm going to give you some good advice, but that I'm going to lead you in a way that it, you're going to encounter the miraculous ways of God. That's cool. <laughs> that's the kind of Jesus that I want to follow. And that's what he does for us. Isaiah also says he's mighty God. He's mighty God. That term mighty God isn't just kind of like, oh, he's strong. He could push a car to the side of the road. Uh, he is mighty in battle. 
that, that phrase mighty is a, a, a battle term. So he fights for us. He is mighty God. Um, as a lot of you know, I lost my mom a couple of years ago, December 15th. It'll be a, two years. Um, and shortly after that season, um, I was ha- encountering some other difficult things, and I felt like I was being misunderstood. I felt like I wanted to defend myself in some, some areas, and um, it was a really tough season for me. And I, I had this moment of desperation, and I don't know, you know, theologically, you know, this, I, I'm, I'm not defending, I'm just saying this is what I did, okay? So I, I was on the, the back deck of my house, and in a moment of desperation, I just wanted some wisdom from my mom. And so I said, Mom, what should I do? Just total frustration. And um, it was like this bit of wisdom came to me, like, that she would have given me if she was here. Uh, And it was this, let Jesus fight your battles. Let Jesus fight your battles. And I actually have clung on to that several times and gone back to that over and over again because you know what? That's really good advice. (laughs) Jesus is the one responsible for fighting my battles, not me. I don't have to prove myself. He is mighty God. He will accomplish what he wants to accomplish. And then this, he's our everlasting father. Now when I say everlasting father, some of us have kind of a reaction internally to that, right? Because not all of us, none of us have grown up with a perfect dad. And some of us have grown up with dads that have done harm to us. Um, you know, but nobody, no dad in here is perfect. I, my kids will tell you they don't have a perfect dad either. Uh, but we all crave a dad who is perfect, don't we? I think internally we all have that, that thing that we crave, that, that protection that a dad provides, that provision that a dad gives us, that encouragement that we all desperately yearn for in our hearts. We all really want an everlasting father. And um, again, you know, losing my dad a few months ago, this has become more real to me. I, I, I watched as my earthly father passed from this life to the next. And there's a certain sense in which you feel like an orphan when you've lost both of your parents and you want that everlasting part of the, the parent that you have. But as I reflect back now um, on what I have appreciated about my dad was the encouragement that he would give. You know, when I would be playing sports or uh, hunting or whatever, he would, he, those were things that we could connect over. And he would, you know, from the sidelines when I'm playing sports, way to go, son! Way to go, son! And I could hear those uh, words, you know, and, and I, I, I'm just even envisioning the guys on my, you know, team looking over at me like, hey, son, and they kind of like <laughs> joke with me. But there was something internally that, that having a father speak encouragement over you, it does something internally, and we all need that, and that's what God provides through us through the person of Jesus. And finally, he's the prince of peace. 
He's the Prince of Peace. And don't we all crave peace? And, and there's millions of songs about peace during this time of the year, but it's easy to forget where that ultimate source of peace comes from. I think about the, the song, So This Is Christmas, right, by John Lennon. That was written 50 years ago today. And it was written in a time where, where the, the, the peace movement was, was really big and in kind of a sense that eventually this is going to take hold. And in the, the refrain of that song, the, the kids' chorus in the background, War is over, war is over, right? But here we are 50 years later and no human effort can stop that war. War isn't over. But the promise of the gospel is this, that one day, one day the war will be over. One day the Prince of Peace will rule and all the things that we are so concerned about right now will fade into the background. And so now we live in the now and the not yet. That's what some theologians call this space that we're living in now. The now, Jesus has arrived. But Jesus will come back again. And someday, all the things that Isaiah prophesies in this passage, yes, there's a, there's a sense in which they are real to us right now, but someday they'll become even more real. Someday we will live in them as in, in their fullest. And that's what we can cling to during this time. And that's what I want to point us to as we end our time together. Revelation 21 says this. It's another prophecy about Jesus reigning. Because if we separate, you know, Jesus as a baby from the rest of, of our lives, and it, 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 might, it doesn't take on its fullness, but we need to know where this is going during this season. Revelation 21, 3 through 5 says this. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now this is John looking at the throne room of God, and he says this, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. And then he says this, in verse 23, about the city that we're going to live in someday. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of, of God gives it light. The light is Jesus. And the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light. The kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. No night. There will be a day when for those of us who have placed our faith in Jesus, we will live in a place where there is no more night. There is no more darkness. There is no more fear. There is no more worry. There is no more anxiety. There is no more death. Every tear will be wiped away from our eyes and we will see Jesus face to face. That is what we're celebrating this Christmas. It's 
about a person. And that person's name is Jesus. And I hope that you will grow closer to Jesus during this season of Advent. I hope that I will grow closer to Jesus during this season of Advent. So my question to you is also this. Where are you looking for hope? Where are you looking for hope? I pray that for all of us, our minds, our hearts will go more and more to looking for that source of hope where true hope is found in Jesus. We've actually put together a series of Advent devotionals for you over the course of this season. If you want to be part of that to receive those on a regular basis, you can do that. Some, some of our staff are putting those together. Uh, you can just text ADVENT to that number that will be right there on the screen in front of us. We'd love for you to be a part of that just so that us as a congregation, we're keeping our minds focused on a person in the midst of the craziness of the rest of life that we have during this season, in the midst of our waiting. I don't know where you're at this morning, but I hope and pray that you will find hope in Jesus today. And not just today, but throughout this whole season. And together we'll lean into that together as well. Will you join me in praying that that will be true for all of us? Jesus, we're so grateful that you came to earth. That you came to live for us and to die for us. And that true hope is found in you. And I pray that we would not just intellectually understand that, Jesus, but during this season, we would grasp that inside of our hearts, inside of our emotions, inside of our souls, that we would know that you're in control, that those things that are true about you, you are wonderful counselor, almighty God, you are everlasting father, you are the prince of peace. I pray that those things would be, we would lean on you for those things and experience you in those ways. And I pray it in your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, it's so great having you here with us this morning. If you're newer, we'd love to connect with you further. So there's a welcome table out there. Stop on by, say hey. And for the rest of us, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and give you peace. Amen. Have a great Sunday.